You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 194 of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, Eric, and with me tonight are my friends, John and Tom. Hey, guys. Hello. What happened to our intro that we, that we paid for? I'm confused. Oh, I, I'm not going to do that live every show. I, I end yeah, up, he's had I end too up many technical difficulties this show already. Don't, yeah. don't push him to over the edge. <laughs> but, 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 but why not? It's so easy to hit the button. Hit the button. Because the sound quality isn't as good when I do it in... The sound quality in post is so much better. So I just added in post. So here, you want... Here, I'll, I'll, now you have me want to play it. No. Look, see what happened? No. I, hit, I hit the play and it's not even playing. Oh, that's right. I moved the files around. Shoot. <laughs> I'm having a bad day at this, man. I'm telling you. All right. 194 gentlemen how's everybody doing we're one step closer let's let's just let's do this one more time one more time from the beginning as spider-man <laughs> would say we are uh we are having fun with obs did, I hate did OBS. you did you do the whole edit transform to only fit the size you need uh didn't we look for that once here let me try again uh see you said edit see what is it edit transform what Transform, yeah. Edit transform. And only fit the size you need. And yeah, see, that's not in this one. This is the problem we had before where the the same. Jesus, you are off the reservation here, John. <laughs> you are off the reservation. So this is why I want to switch back to the other OBS. Our audio podcasters are not appreciating what this this mess of a podcast we're having right now. But it is t- John's uh, John's stream. If you if you watch the live stream, or even if you don't, come back and watch this one. John's video is just going going ballistic on us. He he just we, he just. I already have yeah. you in the middle of the screen, John. I mean, I can't give you much more attention. You don't need to keep resizing. <laughs> I, I wonder if it it has to do with my bandwidth. We were out today uh, celebrating my my son's sixth birthday. And we took a ton of pictures, so I wonder if it's Dropbox, like, uploading pictures, eating bandwidth, and then pausing for whatever Freeing reason. It up. And then, right. So maybe... Maybe it's a setting we can fix in, in Skype, like, have it not automatically try to optimize the video or something. I don't know. I, I don't think it's something we should figure out today, right now. Yeah. You know, because we're trying to do a show and everything. I don't know how you feel about that. We are. <laughs> Hi, How's everybody? Thomas. What is you got the uh, new clean shaven villain look going on? The little goatee, or is that a goatee? I forget. I I know there are proper terms now. Uh, yeah, it's a little long for a goatee, but uh, yeah, it's sort of the uh, the villain from Flash look. Yes, yes, you're right. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah, I uh, I woke up one morning. The first thing my wife said to me was, "So you." Uh, Got drunk and tried to shave, huh? <laughs> and I said, "Was she right?" Said, "Oh yeah, I did. Uh, I I had uh, managed to 
mangle the the beard portion of the beard enough that I had <laughs> to shave it completely. So now I just have this sort of evil spike my thing now. <laughs> but this this also came because I where I live, uh, things are getting a lot looser with the corona restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, our infections are super low, and they've opened a lot of stuff up. And I had a friend's birthday, and we went out, and I looked around the bar and realized I wasn't as original as I thought I was anymore, <laughs> and that every guy in the bar had the exact same beard look as I did. So <laughs> time to time to change it up a little. It's been uh, ten years. Mm. Oh man, John, Dropbox has changed their layout and now i can't figure out how to pause syncing in dropbox it's in the Help top me. right click click on your picture yeah oh, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's not no. there anymore it's, oh. it's not there Bo- <laughs> bottom left bottom left does it say up to date yeah Hover oh over got, it. It. got it can you Thanks. just turn it off yeah that that doesn't make sense <laughs> now see i have to pause i don't usually have to pause dropbox because i've got a nice fast connection here but uh my dog decided to chew through the ethernet cable that was running from my router to my work machines so i am now running on wi-fi he was just inspecting the the, uh the crossover and make sure it was uh the the twisted crossover make sure the twisted pairs were actually twisted yeah they're thoroughly untwisted now So I had a pretty exciting week. I know I normally ask you guys how your week went. And, how was and your week, Eric? I had a super exciting week. Why I is that? did a interview for the Community Corner article for PHP Architect. I did the interview with the two release managers for PHP 8, uh, Sarah and Gabriel. I think I think that was the name, Gabriel. And uh, I tell you what, it was such a fun interview i'm i'm trying to convince oscar to let me i i i recorded it i hadn't planned on doing it as as a podcast and as a matter of fact i was in a meeting with john right before i had to get on a call with get do the interview with them and my system decided it had to reboot i mean it's like everything was wigging out so i went ahead and rebooted it and it wouldn't come up it wouldn't come up I, it took like 30 minutes for it to install the updates and come up. So I actually ended up interviewing them from my iPad. And even Sarah, she wasn't using, she has like a podcast mic as well. And she wasn't even using it because it was just like a casual interview for me to write up the article. But I'm trying to convince, convince Oscar to let me edit it and see how the quality is and release it, maybe release it in the future as a potential, um, podcast because it just spun we we went everywhere with the conversation it was such a fun conversation and i was just it was just i can't wait to write up the article and if you don't subscribe to php architect you really should think about picking up a subscription uh but i can't wait to write up this article but i really hope i can get this edited together because i don't know if we can do the interview again and have it be as just spontaneous and, and just kind of free flowing as it was this week, because it was so much fun and and it was just filled with so much information. I mean, from, from the stuff you, obviously we talked about challenges with, you know, managing the releases of PHP, you know, clearly we talked about that, but we just talked about 
PHP and developers and development and just the whole spectrum of just stuff that I like talk about. And there was like no question, there, there was no question that they weren't willing to, to tackle. Like I've interviewed people and they're, there have been questions that are like, ah, you know, I'm going to pass on that question. I'm not really interested in answering it. I'm like, okay, that, you know, that's fair. This didn't matter. Any any question I had, anything we talked about, it was, it was open. And, and the big one, so the the one that I thought they would pass on and they didn't, at least Sarah didn't, um, Gabriel's pretty new to, as a matter of fact, he was surprisingly new to PHP. Um, but as a release manager, this is kind of his first like a uh, big role. I mean, he, he's been contributing to internals for a while now, um, but this is a big thing. But for Sarah, I asked, like, you know, a lot of people shy. Like I'm, I was talking to her as the person I am, like, a, like a, I'm just a normal person in the PHP community. I mean, I'm, I'm not sugarcoating Slightly this for abrasive. you. A little, a little, yeah. Been, been told I, I have, Testy. I have attitude and, you know, carry my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not going to say John said that, but you know, people have said that John specifically. <laughs> and so I told her, I'm like, uh, you know, there's this perception in the community that internals can be a toxic environment. Like there's very toxic and aggressive conversations going on there to, to Sarah's defense or to Sarah's credit. That is the question that I've never been able to get answered for. Like people normally just pass on. They're like, "Hey, I'm not going to comment on that," and I can see why. She had was no it, problem was, commenting on it. Was, was it a question or was it a statement? I phrased it like, in the general PHP community, internals has been perceived as a toxic environment. What's what would you tell people about that? And do you, do you agree with it? Don't, do you not agree with it? You know, she was very frank. I, I don't remember her exact answer, but it was a fantastic answer. I, and I do believe she acknowledged, she was like, you know, there was a time, you know, when it is, and, and we've talked about it in the past as well. It's like this, especially for the people in, for internals, this is not a hobby. You know, this is a passion. This is, this is their art form and artists get passionate and, and can get, you know, heated about conversations of their art form. So that does transpire. And, and she, she, I'm pretty sure she kind of acknowledges that. I have to go back through the transcript, but the way she phrases it, and I told her, I'm like, I'm going to have to put that in the article because the way you responded to that was just so fantastic. I, I, I really think that needs to be shared. Um, so it, it'll be in the article, but she just, the way she phrased it was like, made me feel good. It's like, she's like, yes, it's not toxic. It gets very passionate. But there's enough people there to put things in check. And she's like, you know, we, we've, we've acknowledged that conversations have got – and again, don't quote me on this because I don't remember exactly how she worded it. But she kind of acknowledges that, you know, conversations have gotten off track sort of thing. And, you know, we try to do a better job, job at wrangling those in now. Um, I got – like you said, you got to read the article – by this or by next month's PHP Architect, because this community corner, I'm very excited. I hope I do the conversation justice. If I don't, I hope Oscar lets me release the, the podcast because Sarah, both of them, uh, Gabriel and, and Sarah, fantastic people to talk to. I mean, I was just blown away. How I felt so relaxed 
talking to them. Oh, just great people. I, I, I'm so happy that they're on internals, that they're people developing PHP. Uh, we also talked about, I, I asked her about, we go on a lot about enterprise. And I asked her opinion on the, if she felt that it was a hindrance to PHP not to have a strong enterprise name behind it like Zen. And I shared with her that Zen was the reason why I was able to introduce PHP in the enterprise I worked in. Because, again, they checked a lot of those boxes that we talk about in the enterprise. SLAs, training, support, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she acknowledges it. She's like, yeah, you know, how that's handled. And she says, you know, there are, are other companies out there that, that are doing that support, that enterprise-level support, but maybe none that have that name that Zen carried. You know, she she had that a really good discussion about that. Again, I don't remember exactly how she worded it. Just you want to read this article. This is a good article. I was I was excited. I couldn't wait to share that with you guys. I was very excited about it. I can't wait to to hear it. I'm, I'm sure uh, Oscar's going to release that as a the podcast interview next month. I if hope it, so. If it's, yeah. if it's half as good as you're making it sound, he's he's going to have to let you. We flat out and and obviously a lot of this would be cut out because a lot of it was just breaks and stuff. We flat out talked for two straight hours. And I was the one that had to end the conversation because I had another meeting I had to go to. I'm like, I am so sorry. I could keep talking to you. Uh, uh, Gabriel was was uh, over in uh, Amsterdam, so he it was like you know seven eight o'clock for him at night. And like I said, we we had been talking for two hours and had no signs of letting up. Yeah, they they got off the the call saying that asshole kept us for two hours. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, they, You're on this high and they're like pissed off about it. <laughs> That's, he, he kept them on the line so long that they ended up delaying Alpha another week. Uh, PHP 8. We actually had that conversation on, while we were talking to them. They, they were talking about it. They're like, hey, by the way, I think we need to delay this. And her and Gabriel, because they are the release managers, they were talking through it. And she's like, okay, Eric, you know, you have the inside track. I'm like, you, you, you really need to tweet that out like soon because if you don't, I will. <laughs> I'll vomit it out on the internet. <laughs> so yeah, it it was. Uh, I just I so totally enjoyed, and and they both inspired me so much to want to get involved with internals. Um, I I told her I'm like I watch the internals conversations go on. I even talked about that external externals IO, which Sarah was familiar with. I, yeah, I told her, I'm like, I'm always watching the conversation, but I never know how to participate. And Sarah even had a great comment on that. Something about, you know, Don't. if you want change, you have to participate. Like you can't complain about PHP if you're not participating in its development. And if you want something changed, you Oof. have to participate. That's a, that's, that's a rough take. There's most of the criticism I see about pe- people in PHP is is not participants. Mm. And it's so funny. Sarah's the second internals person I talk to who doesn't code in PHP anymore. She 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 will freely admit I haven't coded in PHP in years. 
And we that talked sense, about though. that. I mean, if you're in internals, you're writing in C. C and C plus plus, yeah. And we even touched on that. I'm like, do you ever feel like there's a disconnect from what the PHP community wants and what you're doing in internals? And she elaborated on that. She's like, yes, there probably is a disconnect. You know, because we're looking, we're looking at at you know what other languages are doing and and how they're handling stuff and how we can apply it to PHP, but. You know, occasionally, or not occasionally, but, you know, there, there's a disconnect of, and the the example I used is, do you guys ever look at all the frameworks and say, okay, all the frameworks in WordPress, and they all use some sort of, and I'm just making this up, I'm, I'm off the cuff trying to think of something, you know, they, they, they use some sort of array helper, you know, array to slug or something, shit, I don't know, I'm making something up. I'm like, do you guys ever look at the helpers and the things these frameworks are doing and say, okay, there's enough people doing this. Maybe we should look at bringing it into core. She, she's like, not really, not typically. And it was just such a good conversation. I can't even begin to explain to you. I don't even know how much of it I'm going to get into the article. Yeah, uh, most, most of the stuff that goes in the core comes from RFCs, right? Where people, mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not the core developers saying, Hey, we, we need to implement this. It's somebody else saying, Hey, we want this. And then they make it happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, how I believe it gets in there. And, and she, she talks about that process as well. So, but yeah, it was, she, we talked about PHP six and, and how that so severely impacted the progress of PHP five, because I, I was speaking with her. I'm like, hey, you know, we had these long delays with releases in PHP 5. And now with PHP 7, it's bang, 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 bang. And, you know, here you are. You guys are getting ready to release 8. And she's like, that was, you know, that was never meant to happen. And again, I don't want to put words in her mouth. She says it's so much better. But they're, they, they started focusing on PHP 6. And they started, they really committed to PHP 6. And it really impacted the progress of five. And then they turn around and didn't use six. And she even says, she goes, six is actually a very pivotal uh, time in PHP development because even though it, it never really became a thing, it really had us change how we were doing things and how we were releasing things and how we were focusing on stuff. And she goes, PHP six actually contributed to the PHP development a lot more than people realize, not from a code perspective, although there was a lot of code, but a lot of the you know, the process and, and how they handled things. And it was such an enlightening conversation. I'm telling you. I hope, I hope I do this article. Yeah. I hope I do the article well, because I'm very excited about it. Can't tell. Well, Oscar says not he's convinced. So. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even looking at... Uh, is, Oscar, is Oscar with us? Of course. I'm not seeing. Is he on Discord? Yeah, I'm not seeing Discord pop up on stream. I broke something. I'm, broke done, I'm done doing this, Oscar. So the the news that was posted yesterday after your big interview was that the they are dropping RC six. They're pushing the current branch forward a week, and they're push or back a week, and they're pushing the general release forward a week. So November 26th is the day to look forward to for PHP 8. Mm-hmm. You know, today's, uh, this week's a, a big week for PHP. Why is, oh, yes, you're absolutely right. Do, to, do explain. It's the 25th anniversary of the first 1.0 announcement 
from Rasmus of PHP, Personal Homepage Tools. Yep, that's absolutely right. We had a birthday. We had a PHP birthday. Do you have a card for that, by chance? Uh, no, why would I have a card for something I'm going to talk uh, about? Actually, I, I have, uh, I have, I have the uh, original post that Rasmus put up. Uh, yeah, I'll share it on the stream, even though my video is all jacked up. But yeah, let me make this uh, bigger for everybody so it's easier to read. If I can, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, there, that's working. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is Rasmus' uh, original post back in... 25 years ago, actually. Yeah. Announcing the release of his personal homepage tools. PHP tools, version one. Yeah. yeah it's crazy, man. I, it, it feels so it feels so much older than 25 years, but I guess 25 years in our industry is pretty old. It feels like I've been programming in it for 25 years. Right? <laughs> That's how I feel. How long have you been in it? Uh... 18 when did years? You, I, so 2000, 2002 is when you got your when you started coding professionally. Like you got paid to code. Yeah. So I yeah. want to say I I got involved. Oh yeah, no, I you know when I I got paid to code was from you, John. That was the first time I was ever paid to code. You were in DevOps before, so you you coded, but you weren't a coder, huh? Was I wasn't that? a developer. Yeah. Gotcha. DevOps existed back then. Oh, hey. Easy. Yeah, it existed. Yeah, yeah. We invented it. <laughs> I, I, I still remember how I stumbled into PHP. And, and I want to say, like, I, I remember I looked at this before and the dates didn't line up. But I want to say I got on the tail end of 3 when 4 was being released. And it was around 2000 because I remember the whole Y2K thing being discussed. And... But I, I, I remember looking back and th- thinking those dates weren't lining up. So it might have been a couple of years before that. But I, I remember I, I started looking at it when it was three. And then somebody said, no, 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 wait. You know, they're getting ready to release four. A lot's going to change. And so I, I waited. And I actually wasn't even trying to get into PHP. I was getting into MySQL. I was looking for a database, a free database I could store information in. Because I didn't want to ba- pay for Microsoft MS SQL. And I found MySQL, so I was I was working with that. And I was trying to understand how to extract that data out of MySQL, and I found a free a class, a free adult class, adult learning, extended learning class for PHP and MySQL. I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure what PHP is, but they're teaching MySQL, so let me just go and learn about MySQL. And everything changed after that. <laughs> it it wasn't Microsoft. MS SQL was it? Wasn't wasn't there an actual MS SQL that was a? It was yeah, yeah. free. Yeah, open the source, MS. Like... No, the MS stands for Microsoft. Yeah, no, it's Microsoft oh. SQL. I, I believe that it's it's one and the same. Yeah. No. No. no? Yes. No. I'm I, I, I'm an MCSE. Okay. <laughs> and there there was an MS SQL that was not Microsoft. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I was so I could be team... making that up, but I'm pretty sure. To tell you where I was at, where I was at in this time frame, I was using Access to store data, and what I wanted to do with my data. Everybody kept saying, "Well, okay, you don't want to use Access anymore. You want to put it in a relational database. So just go to Microsoft oh, God. SQL." God, boy, I That's remember what... those. I, I had I had a boss mm-hmm. who wanted me to write everything into Access. 
right? Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. I did I did a lot of access work back yeah. in the what late a 90s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everybody kept saying, "All right, you want to you want to graduate to Microsoft SQL? If it's not MS SQL, it's, it was Microsoft SQL." And I was looking at the licensing fee. I'm like, you know, my company is never going to pay for this. So I was. I, that, that's also what introduced me to open source is you know looking into alternatives to this Microsoft SQL solution and stumbled upon, upon my SQL and open source and PHP changed my world from that day on. Wow, and Access still exists. Does it really? Is it still, still a Microsoft product? It's part of the it's part of the Microsoft 365 suite. No kidding. So for people who don't know, Microsoft Access is basically a power user version of Excel right. where you you get some sort of API style access to your spreadsheets and your spreadsheets can communicate amongst each other a little bit better. Um and there's like a scripting language in it. And there were there are forms you could build on top of it too, not necessarily right. within Excel. Yeah, you didn't have that, to use Excel. Yeah, well, but that's, what the, I, that's how I use it. Was forms the way mm-hmm. it manages the data sets though is the same as Excel, where it's just a spreadsheet of data. It was there was no relational information at all. It was just rows and columns. I could have sworn there was some sort of relational. I, I there was remember. a relationship. Yeah, it's been so long. I don't. I don't remember either. Hey. I'll install it right now, baby. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I mean, feel free. I, I don't care. I, who am I to Who am I to judge? <laughs> so yeah, I had an exciting week, man. I, I I can't lie. I am. I just love this industry so much. I love. I know. I, I say this all the time. I'll get off my soapbox, but this is fun. <laughs> it's a fun time in my life, man. I, I've enjoyed the last ten years have been probably the best professionally, professionally the best 10 years of my life. I, I started doing what I loved doing, what I was passionate about. I started making money. I was able to create a company with John, the you know, Diego Dev Group, and I haven't looked back. I mean, it's had its ups and downs, but God, I do love yeah. this. Well, you're on, you're on a high, and I'm on, I've been on a low for a week or two, just... You know, go, going back into just feeling like I don't know what I'm doing at times. I'm working with other people that are on their game and I'm just not contributing and just feeling uh, imposter syndrome. Like, yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. I, yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't be here right now. I'm, I'm way out of my league. I hit that so, last week, too. Hard. That's rough. It is, because... It was- there's so much. I mean, I was going through this process of not not to step on John's story, but I was going through this process of like looking at my career and my skill set and what jobs are out there and what, you know, the next 10 or 15 years is going to look like for me. Mm. And I kind of just went, "Fuck it. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even going to try. This is crazy." You know, there's there's so much focus on like node and view and like all these languages, I'm not great enough at to say I'm an expert. And I don't have the opportunity to become an expert because it's not something I do at work. And then, you know, all of going back to really old stuff, design patterns and solid design and looking at the code I'm producing. And I'm like, I just, this is not up to snuff. Nothing is, you know, I, now I know that the fact that I know something's wrong means I'm better off than I think. Mm-hmm. But still, it's, 
you know, writing tests and like reading through the, the PHP unit documentation and like test doubles for what? I have nothing to double. All I have are these heavyweight controllers that sumo wrestle each other around. (laughs) So it's just, there's, there's so much of this practical information. I feel like I'm, I'm missing. And to move my career forward, I have to take 10 steps back and be like, yeah, she's, you know, PHP for 20 years, just never really got into testing. Like that's what a horrible thing to say in an interview. That's totally me. I, I I know testing is one of my weak points. I know we we had a kind of we had a topic come up this week, which to me seemed super simple, but uh, but I didn't know enough of Vue and JavaScript to give them enough direction, which I really felt guilty about. On, on the one hand, I felt really guilty about it. On the other hand, as I shared with John, I'm like, I don't know why we're paying people to know this stuff when. This this seems to be still an issue for us to solve, but it, it I don't know. I I, I I I've accepted some of those limitations, but I I've got to get better at it, especially the stuff that's PHP specific. Like the view stuff, I still justify in my head. I'm like, that's still JavaScript. Like I'm trying to get it, but I don't care enough about it. I'm not passionate enough about it to dive that much into it. But the the testing in the PHP world, I have no excuses for not doing it, and I still don't do it. And I still like John's gotten into the whole test driven development, and I still can't get there. TD, TDD is hard in itself, but still hacking, going back and and writing tests, I'm I'm getting better at. If I don't if I don't sit down and do TDD first, I am much better at writing the code and then also adding tests and trying to make sure I've covered all my, uh, all my edge cases. Uh, we have a, a contract at work. We've got a, a new, not a new client. We've had them now for about three months and the developers on that have really done a good job at testing and they haven't done a lot of testing in the past. And it's, they're just raving about how it's changed their outlook and how they're, how they are doing, doing things. Uh, feeling that it's made him a better developer. I think we've talked about this on a few episodes now. But on a side note to that, Eric and I had a call with that same client, and the client is really happy with us, mm-hmm. which is great. And Eric and I are like, did we do something wrong? We have a happy client because we've we've had a lot of flops. And I haven't shared this with you, Eric, but I started thinking about it afterwards. And I think we are doing ourselves the disservice by thinking that way because we've had a lot of successes in our in our development for clients where the clients have have either failed or moved on and we've kind of forgotten about them Mm -hmm. you know we've we've had great great work with a client where they were self-funding their product and they ran out of funds it had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with us they just they stopped developing uh we had another one the other one unfortunately was a wordpress project but same thing. Very happy with us. They just, they launched. It didn't do what they thought it would do. And they stopped. Uh, another one where a financial firm, we developed the, the core of it. And then they brought it in-house. Another success. We don't that, give ourselves enough credit for our, yeah. yeah. We don't give ourselves enough credit for the successes because the the flops where we have unhappy clients, just, they, they shine. Consume us. Huge, yeah. And it's this big spotlight, like. You, you know what's so funny about that? That's all you think about. You know what's so funny about that, John? 
if you if you think yeah. back on on all those projects, especially our successes and our flops, what I shared with you this week really applies to those. All of our successes, including this latest customer that I can think of now that you've called them out, have all been projects where the customer didn't try to dictate our workflow. They didn't try to come in mm-hmm. and disrupt our patterns and how we were doing things. And like this last they, they, this told, last they gave client, us the problem and let us solve it. Yep. This last client did exactly what John just said. Just said, hey, this is what I want done. And totally stayed out of our way. We gave, we we did full transparency with them. We gave them all the access that they needed. And uh, hey, thanks, uh, Hannah, is uh for following us. Uh, we gave them all the transparency and access that they needed to to see what we're doing. And all we said, if you have questions, reach out to us. But didn't try to interject how, like their project management style. And all and of our did, biggest... Didn't twist our arm into doing certain things first that like mm-hmm. that we felt were out of order. Yep. We got to, and th- we those got are to, our successes. Yeah. We, we just had a, a call with them this week and we made a very, uh, we made a focus on doing the hard stuff first. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the hard stuff is not UI. So they didn't, there's nothing to show the client outside of tests that we are working or show them the code. Hey, we are working on it. So many clients want to see that UI, but to me, it's like, let us get the hard stuff done. Let's figure out how this works on the back end. Uh, and then that seems to be there. the biggest, yeah. That seems to be the biggest leap of faith for a client. And we've had clients who basically said, "No, I need to see it first. You can't." And have flat out told us, "You can't. Des- you can't design the back end until you know what the front end looks like." And John, are, John and I are like, "No, that's completely reverse. You can't design the front end until you know what the back end looks like. Let us do that first. And even this current client. Uh, shared with us they were like i didn't understand that i didn't understand you wanting to do the back end before the front end because i couldn't in my head figure out how that worked he's also a a hobbyist developer so he's used to getting the front end piece done and then figuring out how to make the back end work from that yeah but he but he he was excited when he saw the end product and he saw the front end by now we have a front end on it and he was (laughs) was thrilled so yeah we've we've got to stand we've got to be more firm with with new clients of hey you either follow our style or or you find somebody else because it's whenever we try to accommodate these these other workflows these other project management processes and it never works out well for us yep that that is your business insight section of the show (laughs) next week's episode (laughs) So we were wrong about demanding our own workflow. And that client is now suing us. And he is a lawyer, by the way. <laughs> um, hey, John, I, had a, I got a question for you. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Thomas. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, Mine was uh, just, just air, just filler. You have something honest. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Because we're talking about frustrations and stuff. This is what made me think of it. And I shared some of it with you guys uh, earlier. You have the same keyboard I have. It's Advantage 2. Are you still using it? I am. Uh, for God, the people I on the hope stream, you guys are still using it. Those things are this expensive. Is this extremely ergonomic keyboard. So 
it, 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 we if you can find out more about it last episode if if you don't know what we're talking about. I am at a stage with this, so I have officially been using it. I got this keyboard Tuesday last week, so I've been using it just over a week now, and my I'm officially at a stage where my my frustration is growing exponentially because I've figured out enough of the stuff where I've gotten comfortable with the keyboard. Even things like the thing I struggled with a lot was using the shift keys. And I'm getting my pinkies accustomed to, to working now, which they weren't working. But the bad habits I carried into using this keyboard, the, the ones that I have left are so overwhelming that I'm in this constant battle now of, tr- of trying to break myself from these last bad habits. And it's getting so frustrating. Are you, how's your pros- I, progress with it? Horrible. I, I actually signed up for an online, like, how to type uh, software mm-hmm. or online resource. So I've actually gone back to typing school to learn how to type properly. So I've never even been there. Yeah, I should probably do that. How's that going for you? Uh, good and bad. Um, it does a whole the whole words per minute and all that. So I find myself like competing against that, trying to to type fast, and mm-hmm. instead of slowing down and like no, relearn how to type, learn how to type properly, right. not how to just hack at a keyboard, which is what I've been doing for 20, 30, 40 years now. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm getting much better at just normal words typing, but when it comes to coding, still getting my arrows and fat arrows and mm. all of those pieces and the, the key, the keyboard shortcuts that I use in PHP storm just are so completely different now. It mm-hmm. It's taking a lot to get used to. Yeah. The but shortcuts are, st- are still it. a struggle. Yeah. Those, the shortcuts are still a struggle very much. I told you that the two big uh, key remaps I did is cap locks is now control for me. And uh, the delete key, I actually remapped to the Apple key because that was easier for me to do copy, paste, uh, delete. So the the XCV, holding down the delete key and hitting those was a whole lot simpler. So I remapped that. And it it was because of you, uh, the the tap and and long tap. So I I remapped my end key to be that forward, the forward delete. So if I if I tap the in key, it does the forward delete. Or if I hold the in key, it just does whatever an in key does. And I never use that. So I, I wanted to have it there just in case I needed it, but <laughs> I, I never use it. So <laughs> I'll use I'll use that like in web pages or something to quickly get to the end of a. Uh, oh, I have I have them I have them for that. It's just uh, it's just a uppercase G. It drops right down to the bottom of the page. <laughs> you got to use that. Thomas, you, you appreciate this. You you make fun of the fact that I have the Vim plugin in my browser. I told John this week, I actually enabled the Vim bindings to my command line. So I can actually use Vim uh, movements and things like that in my command line. And I have no idea why I've never done this in the past. I love this. No? No comment from you, Tom? Oh, I'm sorry. My microphone was muted. I was laughing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, like the Vim thing, man. It's like I, I just I, I I don't I don't I don't. You, I mean, if you're interested, you don't get it because you don't. You don't get it because you don't use it. it. That's one of the 
one of the cornerstones to my coding, but it's also one of the big things that led to my bad typing habits. Oh, what you think? Oh, because you were, you were using HJKL as your home room. Right. So Uh, I always rest on my, my fingers. So now like I'm constantly trying to go left and I'm hitting J and I'm going down. I'm like, no, (laughs) it's just not right. (laughs) Well, and you know what the worst, the worst part about this is, is I make fun of you. And of course, I have a massive arthritis flare-up in my left pinky today, and I'm just in pain all day. I, I think I don't think Vim would help with that. I think it'd probably make it worse. No, I mean a keyboard. The, the ergo. Oh, keyboard the keyboard would probably help like, with it. Yeah, yeah. You paid like eight hundred dollars for. It. <laughs> John, are you are you like me? Like I, I've been like this for years. It's it's why I have Vim in so many places, but. Now it's like the idea of reaching over to the mouse is like really starting to aggravate me because my hands get so comfortable on the keyboard. And I get in, when, especially when I get into a groove, and I'm like, oh shit, yeah. I, need, I need to touch the mouse now. You yeah. need to put some it's... Vim bindings on your mouse so that when you move <laughs> to your mouse, you've still got some Vim productivity there. I, I almost do wish that the keyboard had like in between the, the, the thumb buttons, like a trackpad or something. Oh, that would be. Or, that's a good idea. Or just, or just somewhere around here, so you don't yeah, have to move as far. That's a great idea. Yeah, I would or actually like the, like the IBM like the, nipple. No, like even like a pad that's on the on the iMac. Just have that like right here in the middle. That would be fantastic. Actually, that's a great idea, John. Yeah, I think I think I know yeah, what our next business venture is. GoFundMe. Yeah. Or no, wait. What? What is it? It's not GoFundMe. <laughs> What's the Kickstarter, that's it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, so, yeah, now I'm getting so comfortable of keep keep my hands there. Yeah, that plus I've been having right shoulder pain for the past like six eight weeks. Anyway, it's not good. So mm-hmm. the extra movement over there is is noticed. Mm-hmm. So Thomas, oh, I, I I did have a question for you. Yeah, fire away. Uh, uh, and if if you haven't heard it or, or don't know anything about it, that's that's fine. You, you don't. You, I'm not backing you in the corner or anything. But did you did you see the cards that I had on my Trello board about Amazon and IBM? I did. Have you have you heard heard about this? Yeah, uh, Bezos is a huge asshole, and IBM isn't. <laughs> well, no, no. All right, maybe, maybe you don't, don't, don't. Why, why did you say that? Um, so IBM announced that they're abandoning facial recognition products completely. Um, yes. Oh, I which, see where you're going with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Amazon's like, hey, us too for a year. Right. IBM um, is just pausing it. So, yeah, no, no. That, that's fair. I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, so but- Amazon, Amazon's just putting it on hold for a little bit. IBM is like, oh, no, it's fundamentally racist. Like, we're not going to do that. So, so to, to be fair, Amazon actually had a service that it offered to police departments for IB uh, for facial recognition. So this was an yeah. active service that they had that they they've now, like Thomas said, basically paused for the next year. They're like, okay, the service is no longer available. We're stopping the service. We're reevaluating facial recognition, the ethics behind it, our responsibilities behind it, and I, I thought it was it was a good thing. And again, uh, it's it's not. It's I. I would even go so far as to say it's a bad thing. And to Thomas's point, IBM actually didn't really one up them because they didn't. They 
as far as I know, they didn't have a service they were offering to police forces, but IBM stepped in and said, we're not only stopping facial recognition, we're saying that there are biases built into facial recognition that need to be addressed before we can use this. And we're not, we're not developing this platform any longer. Yeah. So here's what happens when the big guys drop out of it for moral objections. The laws that prevent it from being made by little guys don't get passed, and the little Mm -hmm. guys become the big guys, but you don't know their name anymore. So That's funny you you should say that. That was actually one of the talking points that were brought up. They said, well, doesn't this just mean somebody else is going to step into the space, probably offer a more racial, more biased solution Mm-hmm. a poor implementation of it, but it's going to be what people use because the big guys aren't doing it anymore. Well, and it's not like the guys who are developing this at Amazon are just going to be like shifted to another team and go, oh, okay, well, I guess all that experience in facial recognition is never going to pay off. No, that team who is a group of people who all know each other is going to say, well, hey, if we're not competing with our own company anymore, then we can start spinning our own product off. So they'll spin their own product. Mm-hmm. It's that the people who have the experience doing this are still going to keep doing it. The problem is that now the big players are off the the grid, so no one's going to be paying attention. See, this is actually why I like Amazon's approach, because I've stated in the past that I think it's a good solution, but it has some evolving to do. And I do feel like we're trying to push it forward too quickly without understanding all the consequences behind it. Yeah, and but I'm one still... year isn't one year isn't a long delay for Amazon. They will continue but, but, developing in the mid, in the in the meantime. But and that's fine still... because it's not a development issue that they're addressing. It's an ethics issue that they're addressing. So if you think about it, well, it's they, an employer they're... issue. It's an employee issue they're addressing because these both of these companies had employees walk out in protest. Why is so negative? Why can't we because, just keep trying to be positive? Because the companies... They, they want to talk about it for the next year, you know? I'll, I'll tell you absolutely why. Because both of these companies are publicly traded, and, it, and a publicly traded company makes a decision that is going to negatively impact shareholders, then they're held accountable for that legally. So this decision can't be, fundamentally can't be a moral decision. It has to make money for the shareholders. Hmm. Otherwise, it's illegal. If you make a decision that is on a moral stance and it starts losing you money, shareholders can sue you for it. So th- this isn't going to get us anywhere. This just means that the, the Facebook facial recognition system, which is the most prevalent and experienced, is going to improve and be sold to the police systems under some different corporate name because that's what they're especially good at. And there's not going to be any legislation saying that facial recognition shouldn't be allowed. Inst- I, I, I would like to see, instead of companies doing this, I'd like to see companies paying for lobbyists to get facial recognition banned. See, I, yeah, see, that's where you and I disagree. I, I, it's not going away, right? The genie's out of the bottle. We need to have, we need to have these big companies with lobbyists who are helping implement the laws and regulations around it to ensure that you know they, that these solutions aren't racist, they aren't biased, they, they are managed correctly. As I, as I've always been saying, this this should not be a one a, a sim, simple solution for law enforcement. This is something that should have oversight to it, and, and outside of law enforcement oversight. And I just lost my headset. Hold on one second. Let me get another set headset here. 
So while Eric's off the air, uh, he's wrong. Yeah, let me mute. <laughs> I, the facial recognition thing, it's a mess. It's such a mess that any kind of person detection system is fundamentally flawed. Um, autonomous cars can't see black people as well as they can see white people. Facial recognition systems are inherently biased by the training algorithms, and there's no corrective algorithms to fix them once they've made mistakes. You can't go into a trained machine learning system as a police officer and say, hey, you identified this guy and it was wrong. That data just gets like, hey, you got the guy, thumbs up. It, it, will, buy, it, will, it, it will start biasing itself in a direction and there will be nothing you can do to stop it. That, that, that shocks me. I don't know enough about machine learning and we've done a couple of interviews now or talked about a couple of articles in PHP Architect uh, to the point where I really should dive into it more. I can't believe there's not a a way to say, "Hey, this was a false positive." Or there is in in machine learning, but not in uh, machine learning products. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think you're missing my point, Thomas. And I heard most of what you said, although you, you did cut in and out while I was switching headphones. But that was on purpose. The, <laughs> this is why we need to focus on the ethics and the process and the oversight of it and how it's being managed. This can't be simply a law enforcement tool. This has to be a human rights tool and human rights groups need to be involved in the management and implementation of them. I, this, there should be no implementation. You're talking about a utopia of, you know, all bad things shouldn't be implemented. There should be no guns, right? Nobody should have a gun. Well, guess what? That's not Whoa, going to buddy. Nobody here is saying that. <laughs> no, but if you, if you talk you. about what's safe in, in, yeah, you know, that's that's what's saying. If if nobody had guns, if bad guys and good guys didn't have guns, if guns didn't exist, that would be better for everybody, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. just not a reality. It's not going to happen. That's why we as US citizens should be allowed to have guns because if our government can have guns, but, we should have guns. But but, but the it's not a way- constitutionally protected right for a corporation to be able to sell facial recognition tech. For the same reason right. that right now we can encrypt something to 2048 bits, but you are not allowed to sell a product that encrypts to 2048 bits outside of America. We can make this kind of legislation. We can say that this is wrong and illegal, and corporations have to abide by it. And uh, corporations like Amazon, if you say facial recognition, flat out illegal, then they're going to drop the team that's developing it, and the team that does develop it's not going to get any funding. So you're, yeah, you're Eric, touching- Eric you're, you're right. You're right that facial recognition is available. People are going to find a way to use it, but it's a matter of how the government and government agencies use it against people. How are exactly. the going? But, exactly. well, this to Tom, but to Thomas's point, if, if we have lobbyists that help get legislation passed and says the police shouldn't be using it, then, then it's not an issue, right? Yes. The, it's still going to, going to exist and private companies are going to find ways to use it for something, but should the police be using it yes i i I feel like there is there is there are use cases for this in law enforcement you can't say there are there aren't i absolutely can the first time this finds a missing child that's been kidnapped at disneyland you know that family is going to love the fact that facial recognition was able to identify their child not the police that's the disneyland security system to 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 thomas's point 
you're absolutely right, Thomas. This this is much bigger than just the U.S. This is where this is why we have these global oversight people. I mean, you know, typically it's it's around you know law laws around war and and you know ethics around war and things like that. That needs to exist in the technology in space. There has to be some sort of World Health Organization or uh, or or whatever the I forget what the war one is where there are certain laws. The United What's, Nations. Yeah, or, United oh, Nations. You're talking about the Geneva Convention. Like the Geneva, Geneva Convention. Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> need that. We need that in the tech space. Well, now, yes, but obviously, tear gassing tear gassing civilians is considered a war. It wasn't crime, tear right? gas. It wasn't tear gas. gas. <laughs> I'm just saying. America's really good at ignoring. It was uh, eye liquidation gas, and 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 there are going to be rogue countries that do that. But if you have if you have the support of the big company, uh, the big countries, you know you have that firepower. But I, I think and, if we've learned anything over the last three weeks, America is one of those rogue countries. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you on that because I can't. (laughs) Right. That's the problem is that I've been reading foreign coverage of what's going on here in America. And everyone is like, oh, my God, America's having a civil war. And Americans are like, no, we're not. We're just just really we just built a system that is now so self-sustaining that we have to tear it down to fix it. (laughs) Yep. But and, other and countries, that's exactly right. Other countries firmly believe that we're in the middle of a civil war. Yeah, not yet. Um, it's funny because you know there there was the whole splitting hairs of was it tear tear gas is a pepper bullets considered tear gas, and I love the response of one of the uh, panelists who was discussing this. He was like, you know what? It doesn't matter if you want to call it tear gas or not tear gas. We're in the middle of a pandemic that's spread by people coughing and, and you know rubbing their eyes and stuff. And our government is are using weapons against their, our, our citizens that causes them to do that in the middle of a pandemic. I'm well, like, oh, the, shit, that's a good the point. The scariest, <laughs> the scariest quote that I heard this week was from the police, the the, the federal police unit Shitter. that was in Washington. Did you hear about these guys? The ones with no badges or anything? Yeah, so they're a member of the federal police force, which does not have the authority to arrest people, but does have the authority to shoot. Are you kidding? I don't want to get into politics, This isn't politics. That was as it was described by a member of the federal police force. We don't have the authority to arrest, but we have the authority to shoot. (laughs) So, totally crazy. that stuff can get banned too. But yeah, we absolutely have the power as American citizens to vote for facial recognition being banned by use in law enforcement. It should be banned from not, use of law. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm suggesting. It shouldn't I'm be suggesting. banned from, it, it's going to get used. It's going to get used in law enforcement. We need oversight committees on how it's used and the legal ramifications of that. Because right now, law enforcement is taking that initiative. Law enforcement is defining to the courts Hey, this person, you know, we use facial recognition to identify him, so it's it's a closed case. We can't allow that to happen. We need to have 
uh, you know, civil liberty groups involved in that process who can have oversight. And to your point, this, this is not a U.S. thing. This has got to be a global thing. Yeah, but I, I, I also don't believe that global, global legislative bodies have any teeth. You might be right. You might be right. And I, yeah. So I, d- yeah. I did have another another article I wanted to share with you and, and John, see if either one of you guys had any opinion. Of, I, I know thought, what it is. Which one do you think it is? Brave. No, it wasn't Brave. You want to talk about Brave? Kind of. All right. All right. I, I'll do Brave first. So, <laughs> so if you haven't been a longtime listener of the show, there was about a stint of, a f- I, I don't know if it was a full year, but a solid six to eight months that I was a Brave user. And Brave is a is the implementation of the Chromium platform. Uh, no, that has, no, it's Chrome. Is it? Yeah, it's Chrome. And it's implementation of the Chrome platform that boasted about having security first, but it also was coming up with this way to monetize so uh, content developers could, could monetize their their content. Uh, and there was like some Bitcoin piece of it and all this, all brave, this stuff. Brave coin. Yeah, yeah. So Gizmodo, um, and, and for the record, I, I, I didn't stop using it for any reason except to, I started really kind of getting behind Firefox and the message of Firefox and um, all that. So I started using Firefox for that very reason. We There's some people in the PHP community who work for, for Mozilla, so I just wanted to support Firefox. So I didn't leave Brave for, for any other reason than to support Firefox. But Thomas has always been a proponent of uh, opponent, opponent, opponent. Yeah, yeah. I, was of, say, uh, I don't remember he, him ever saying he wanted to. He, he nope, liked it. <laughs> I have always been, been a fan him. of it, which is why so I tried to spend my own. I'll let you have your moment in the sun here, Thomas. Yeah, uh, people found out that uh, that certain affiliate links to Bitcoin systems were uh, getting the reference numbers overwritten in brave See, i don't think i don't think they overwrote any did they it was more if, if you just went to a an exchange that didn't have an affiliate link they added theirs i don't think they they didn't take anybody's yeah i think i think john is correct i think it was just exactly what john said if, okay, if there so, wasn't one to find they, they injected theirs well so yeah that's what somebody noticed uh Again, it's just about what you notice. It's the things that you don't notice that make them the most money. <laughs> this is this yeah. is a this is a venture capital Fair. attempt to to make money off of people's web browsing while telling them it's safe and secure and private. And they weren't making enough money, so they threw in a a reference number when you logged into Binance, so that you could get any trade you made would give them fifty percent of your trade commission. So. I mean, they they did what they said they wouldn't, but of course they were gonna. It was a it was a fuzzy detail, but yeah, you're you're right, and it did make me feel better about the fact that I wasn't using them. I, I'll I'll grant grant you that. I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, Thomas is good. I ha- I feel like I had to put it on my Trello board before you put it on yours. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I wasn't because Brave doesn't deserve attention. That's but, the okay. that's the issue to me is that they are a they are a microcosm of users and i think anyone who knows security and privacy 
already saw the the writings in the sand and just said, no, this is Google has obviously. to be doing the same thing, don't they? Oh, mm-hmm. they're way worse. Yeah. I mean, they got to be doing the same thing. Google or oh. any any search engine, any any browser for that matter that has control over what they're when you click on something, what where you go. Well, so here's the thing. If I has type that ability. If I type in, th- this is how Google works. If I type Home Depot into Google search, I'll get more often than not a, a sponsored link to the homedepot.com website and then the homedepot.com website natural link below that. Right. And that's because Google won a lawsuit that said that squatting on a domain name in a search is not anti-competitive. So people who are competing with your business can have AdWords that directly match the name of your business. Uh And that's not a conflict of interest to anybody. That's not a conflict of interest to Google. That's perfectly fair business, whatever. Um, So now they send emails out to big domain holders saying, hey, did you know that 30% of click-throughs when someone searches for Home Depot go to Lowe's? Mm -hmm. And they extort money out of you for it. They say, yeah, all you got to do is pay $4,000 and now you'll always come up first when someone types Home Depot. So that, it's Google's, a, a little, little bit different, but yeah. A little I, bit different, but it's, done the, it's, it's the same pattern of behavior. But still, I mean, there are so many affiliate programs out there. I, I'd be shocked if Google isn't, isn't injecting their own affiliate code in somewhere. No, mm-hmm. they, they won't do that. No? No, no. Think? Google's... Google's too big to have that lawsuit because that lawsuit could split the company. That that could be a lawsuit where someone says, I don't have a choice of search engine and the search engine is injecting affiliate codes. There's There are people who make all of their money off of getting affiliate codes, their affiliate codes into Google searches. Mm-hmm. That group of people has enough money to really throw a wrench in things. Yeah, it makes sense. That would be a very bad competition thing yeah it's it would directly compete with the target objective of a search engine which is the besides ads objective results objective results yeah so yeah and it's but really they're they're both they're both doing the same thing they're trying to maximize monetization of people who are using the system any any web browser right now that has that needs funding is going to be doing that in one way or another, mm-hmm. uh, you know, via either "quote unquote" anonymous usage statistics, which is Firefox's thing, or Chrome, which defaults everything to Google and has privacy policies that support Google's privacy policies. You know, it's it's all a mess, man. All right, so like I said, that's not even what I wanted to share with you. I, I was actually surprised. I, no, I wasn't surprised. I, sh- I should I should have known that. So much. <laughs> I wanted to share with you this Guardian article where Twitter is looking to roll out a new system or a new feature. It's not out for every, everybody now, but if it detects, if I if I'm understanding the article correctly, if it detects that you're retweeting a tweet with a link in it. And you haven't visited that link. Supposedly, it's going to throw up some some warning saying uh, sharing your article can spark uh, conversation. So you may want to read it before you t- tweet it. Um, that's down. Um, is that on the screen? Uh, yeah, uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that's what I thought. Uh, I'm like, yeah, it, it, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. Like I share a lot of. I'll retweet things from people I trust. 
or mm-hmm. not necessarily political, but just in the PHP community, like, hey, somebody says something positive or anything about a feature, and they may link to an article to get more information. And I may mm-hmm. just retweet it to help spread the word. And I haven't clicked on that link. Here's so I see pros and cons to it. Gonna get me going all over. My nose <laughs> so angry, my nose is running. Here's the thing: is that it is addressing the symptom, but not the cause. The symptom, not the cause. Okay, that's a fair statement. But they people, can't address the cause. People, oh, they could. People are sharing things that have a headline that reflects favorably on their opinion. Mm -hmm. And other people are reading the headline and resharing it because it reflects favorably on their opinion. And Time Magazine has experimented in this by having headlines that reflect people's opinions. And then the first line of the article is saying, this headline is incorrect. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this one, but a while ago, uh, I believe Nat Geo had an article. The headline was, uh, is evolution wrong? And when you go to the is that was the that was the cover of the magazine is evolution wrong mm-hmm. and when you go it says go to page you know twenty five to find out and you go to page twenty five and the whole page is taken up by the text no just the word no mm-hmm. you could do that again there's there's subreddits that are based off of things called ate the onion people reposting onion articles without reading oh. them and understanding their satire <laughs> or, yeah, or you should know that the onions that real right. news yeah the, that's the issue is that headlines right now are entirely inflammatory uh not representative of the material and not written by the author of the article I don't know if people know this, but in journalism, but, the editor writes the headline, not the writer of the article. Yeah, but but again, I think that's that, that's putting too much on the shoulders of these services like Twitter to to police that, right? I think this is don't police this, it. Let the people police it. Let people re let people write the ha- the headline that they want to write. And when you have an article posted, you get one of ten headlines that's written mm-hmm. by the people who read the article. So it's funny they even they even cite in in this article which is it's like a meta thing it's like I don't know who to trust anymore but they they even cite, cited that uh, a less academically sound but more telling was an article that was posted same year with the headline study seventy percent of Facebook users only read the headline of science stories before commenting and says the fake fake news sites web, the fake news website the science post was racked, ranked racked up a healthy 127,000 shares for this article, that which is almost entirely uh, Lorman Ipsum filler text. So they were like proving their point that people don't actually click on the article to see what it says. They, they just reshare the, yeah. the headline. And this is, this is the problem with partisan journalism right now, mm-hmm. is that the headline is what everyone's paying attention to, not the content. But see the the next article, and and again, I think this speaks to the, the positive of of what Twitter's doing. Twitter says the solution is not to ban such retweets, but to inject friction into the process. So I mean, I, I get that. It's like you know people, they can't sign, they can't believe it. People sign four hundred page end user license agreements. This won't. I know the people that this is targeted at. I I'm friends with them, but I have them muted on Facebook. They don't care that they're being told that they're a shill for Fox News. They don't care that they're being told, hey, you look like a dummy by sharing something without knowing what it says. 
they care that the headline confirms what they believe. So if that if that comment yeah. was public, if this if if you posted something without reading the link and it had a comment below your tweet that said this person's an idiot and doesn't read their own source material, maybe you'll create the friction you need. It, it you're right, and it doesn't matter even if you show that the stuff they shared is is false or right even if, even if it's wrong you you could sh- the, you show them a you you show them all the proof that they're sharing bad stuff and they don't care yeah the, have, the person i have family person, members that do that it drives me nuts the person on my facebook feed who immediately comes to mind is a guy who constantly says cnn is fake news and then shares things that are blatantly false and when you correct him he says what's your point which I've discovered is the ultimate <clears throat> troll response. When you mm-hmm. tell someone that they are factually wrong and they say, what's your point? You are completely disarmed. So telling people from the onset that they're making an uneducated decision or to post something is not going to stop these people. They pride themselves specifically on uneducated decisions, especially <laughs> on social media. I, I commend Twitter for trying, but try harder. Ban more people. If people start sharing false information, ban them for a week and say, like, listen, we ha- as a platform can't have things that are blatantly false perpetrated across the platform. They're, the way that stuff gets shared is by people in these tight circles just breaking outside of their circle a little to reshare something that gets shared throughout the circle. Mm-hmm. So punish the circles that consistently produce false information, punish the people who originate false information. People don't go into an image before they reshare it to Photoshop it so that it has a slightly different MD5 checksum. Just do an MD5 on all the images. And when something is blatantly wrong or racist, say, hey, if you post this, you're going to get bumped for an hour. And then we're going to tell your friends, you got banned for an hour for sharing something that was blatantly false and not doing your due diligence to check it. Yeah, I think... I think that's a tough one, though. I mean, sure, but if it was my platform, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm be, not, because I'm you, not the you, owner think, of you think you're always right, and you think you always know the correct, the the the, the truth. But everybody's truth isn't the same. And so fuck them. Go to a different platform. <laughs> I, I think if they're it's okay more, with if, lying. If you, if it's not subjective, if you can objectively prove that what's being shared is false. Then Thomas has a point. Hell, you could even warn people and say, by sharing this, which has been proven objectively not true, you might get banned. And then make Mm -hmm. sure that, and then, and then wait for them to share it. And if they share it, ban them for an hour, ban them for a day. Having someone kicked off social media. I think personally, we should have it, we should have it, we should have it launch their camera, take a picture of them, and do facial recognition on it and and throw them in jail because of it. That's, well, that sounds like communism. I wrapped the, I wrapped our whole story into into one thing there. We're good. Okay. All right. We are definitely running a lot long today, and this is the problem. Can you believe this is episode one ninety four? We're almost at two hundred, and we still say. we still talk for o- over an hour every week. And for those for those of you on the audio podcast, I don't know how long it will go on today. But for those of you on the audio podcast, you don't get to appreciate our banter in our talking after the show because we typically keep the stream going for a solid five ten minutes after the show's over and that can completely go where we, where we complain about all the people that aren't listening live that is exactly. a patreon benefit 
and, and, and subscribe because I want I I now want a silver I want a silver YouTube button hanging on my wall. I mean we're only uh nine hundred thousand and nine hundred and ninety nine away from it. Matter of fact my, my little my little thing should show us. We we, we were up to like one hundred and fifty uh Facebook subscribers. So so we've got a little we've got a little ground to make. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh, I shared with uh I'll see if, see I said it now. I shared with John this week. Uh my my daughter, one of my daughters went viral on TikTok this week and she's beside herself. Like we're talking like a few million views of this one video and her her followers she went from like having like a hundred followers to like a million followers and it was she's had quite the TikTok week and she's uh she's loving it. So um I need to get something up here before she gets something. <laughs> she's she, she's actually being much more successful at this than I am. And I don't I don't understand why. <laughs> okay, Obviously, everybody you haven't seen TikTok then. <laughs> This is it. We're going to wrap this up. Episode 194. I appreciate you listening to us. Uh, that's it. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it up. Thanks for listening to the PHP Ugly podcast. If you would like to support PHP Ugly, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash phpugly. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in the PHP Ugly Discord channel. Show notes and RSS feed can be found at phpugly.com. To catch the live stream, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash phpugly. You can also subscribe to the edited podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. A reading of five stars is always appreciated. And finally, thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at diegodev.com. Until next week, keep it ugly.